fasten your seatbelts. <laughs> well, hello, welcome to Celebration Church, our Wednesday night Bible study, a little bit different uh, approach to uh, uh, preaching and teaching. On Sunday mornings, I, I preach like most pastors, which is topically take a subject portion of scripture, expound upon it. But on our Wednesday night Bible studies, we take uh, a section of the Bible, uh, a book at a time, and go through it verse by verse, ding, 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 and uh, put it in context and truly, really learn from it. Uh, a, a total, uh, uh, kind of a different approach as, as opposed to Sunday morning, but it's great, and I, I love it. Actually, this is my favorite service of the week, is uh, doing this stuff and, and getting into the Word and all of you guys are here, yeah, praise God. And, and uh, our guys over in Stevens Point, campuses are joining uh, by video, welcome all of them. Um, we are in Galatians, the uh, fifth chapter, and uh, two weeks ago I thought, ah, we'll, we'll, be, almost, we'll be done in, in, you know, one more night, but as, as I'm getting into this, this is some really deep stuff, and it might be a while getting through this last little portion. But uh, we're starting at verse 16, chapter 5, verse 16, uh, the book of Galatians, actually it's not really a book, what it is, it's, it's, these are, the New Testament by and large is made up of a collection of letters that the apostles and stuff had written to each other. This is a letter that Paul wrote to the Galatian church and uh, um, he, uh, all of these uh, chapters and stuff that you see were really added hundreds of years later, chapters and numbers, so you could find where everything was. He wasn't writing chapter 5 or 16. He was just writing the letter. We chopped it up. It's good as a way for us to find where everything is. But uh, he's writing in, in this book of Galatians, or this, this letter to the Galatians, and uh, for those of you who've been following with us from the beginning, it's, it's, it's really rather entertaining because he's just seriously ticked off. <laughs> it is amazing. If you've missed it, you've missed it. But man, it's, it's, we'll, we'll recap it when we get to the end. But uh, anyway, so here he is just really hacked to these people about some of the things that they're doing. And if we get this far, almost at the end of the letter, and he says in verse 16, he says, so I say, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. We are as believers torn between what the Spirit of God desires in us. You, once you've come to Christ and, and, and you ask Jesus into your life, something changes. Something new occurs. You can sense something's different. And, and for a lot of us, we're not quite sure just exactly what that is. But what it is when you come to Christ, it's, it's the Spirit of God inside of you. And he creates desires in you, positive desires, that you didn't have before. You know, all of a sudden, for a lot of people, they get a conscience for the first time in their lives. Or, or they start feeling guilty about things they shouldn't be doing that they didn't before. I mean, it's the Spirit of God in them uh, creating desires for righteousness and doing good things and positive things that will advance the kingdom of God. So, but uh, a lot of Christians get confused by it because what doesn't seem to go away is they're still aware of these negative desires. The sinful desires, the temptations don't go away. And uh, a lot of people think, well, there's something wrong with me. You know, I'm a Christian, I, I believe in God, I'm following Christ, but there must be something really rotten with me because I still feel pulled to, to bad things. No, that just means you're alive. Okay? You know, I am sanctified, I am not petrified. And I still feel temptations. Everything from sexual temptations to anger temptations. You know, we all feel this stuff. And there's this struggle within us. And what Paul is trying to teach us is, hey, I'm going to show you how you can win in this struggle. Hallelujah. Okay? 
And, and, and he says, if you will live by the spirit, focus on the spiritual side of things, you won't fulfill these desires which are by nature destructive to us. Uh, and if you follow the desires of the spirit, they give you life. They empower you. They fill you with joy. Your life starts getting blessed. You start succeeding at a level that really in life you never thought was possible. And those of you who, who know what I'm talking about, you've, you've been at this for a while. The more that you walk in, in the principles of this book and in your relationship with God, the more blessed your life becomes. The more you start succeeding in virtually every area of your life as you learn and grow from these things. So it is certainly within our own best interest to want to follow after the spiritual things so that we will experience life as opposed to pulling away to the negative things that in essence bring us spiritual death. All right. So then he says... um, in uh, verse 19, where we've been stuck for a while, as he stops and says, okay, get a clue. Let me tell you what are the acts of the sinful nature versus the spiritual nature. All right? Uh, because a lot of people, that we, we tend to make up our own morality. And uh, this is no more true than... The United States of America in 2007. I mean, everybody just makes up whatever they think is right. And I think, well, all that matters is what I think. And, and a lot of people think, well, even Christians, you know, they get saved and say, well, as long as I believe, it doesn't matter what I do. It's just my own. No, no, it does matter. There is a difference between things that are not of God that will bring death into your life or things that will bring life and blessing and success into your life. So Paul goes and says, now I'm going to show you a little mini list here of, of, of what those things are. Okay? So he starts and he says, now the, sac- the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Well, in my dealing with lots of people, I don't think it's so obvious. <laughs> because a lot of people are, do, 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 do. You, mean, you mean that's wrong? You mean I shouldn't be doing that? You know, it's like... Ah, how can you think like that? But it's the world we live in. So he says they're obvious nuts from his viewpoint, certainly. But anyway, so then he starts going through this list of stuff, uh, talking about these obvious things that lead to death in your life. And he starts, numero uno, dos and tres, is um, uh, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. The uh, dictionary defines debauchery as Extreme indulgence in sensuality or excessive indulgence of sexual desire. So the very thing he starts talking about is this whole thing about sex. And uh, most churches hate talking about these things. Most pastors would rather that die than, than go in these directions. Um, I was reading a Christian website tonight and... Uh, you know, when they'd mention sex, they'd put S, asterisk, S. They can't even spell it for crying out loud. It's like, Ugh! And we wonder why people are so messed up. And I've told you the story of the Christian radio station in Tulsa, Oklahoma, who would not play one of my radio spots because I spelled the word sex. I didn't say it. I just said S-E-X. And they said, well, brother, we, we can't allow that on the air. That, that's a little too controversial. You know, apparently they don't have sex in Oklahoma. But... Uh, <laughs> That's why I live in Green Bay. It's too cold not to have sex in Green Bay. So I, I do not want to live down there if that's the problem. All right? So, so they freak about these things. But yet the Bible is very clear. And I'll tell you what. This stuff is so important. And, and I've instructed our youth department to uh, edit 
that into a couple of sections and show what I shared with you last time to our teens. They need to hear this stuff. And they probably should pick up the end of this too so they can get all of it. I don't know if they're starting tonight or, or when they're going to start doing this. But um, they need to hear that. I'll tell you what. If people will get just this part of their perspective right, it would transform Christianity. I mean, one of the... Re- you know, people say sometimes, how come, how come God doesn't do greater things? How come we don't see more miracles? How come we don't, you know, how come? Good grief, have you looked at most, most churches? They're up to their eyeballs doing things that would make a normal person puke. The sexual sins, the adulteries, the fornication, 50% of men, they say, in the majority of uh, congregations are addicted to pornography and masturbating. It's like, ugh! So we live in all the sexual sin. We go, I wonder how come we don't see more miracles? Well, what do you think? There's a reason. All of this, if the church would just get serious about this kind of stuff and show people how to succeed instead of failing. This isn't about making you feel bad and hollering at you. It's about showing you how to succeed. Now, let's uh, back up and, and uh, flip over to the left there to uh, 1 Corinthians, the 7th chapter. Actually, end of 6th chapter. We'll say 6th chapter, verse 18. And Because uh, Paul writes to the Corinthians along these lines. I just want to let you to see uh, a little piece of this here. He says in 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, verse 18, he tells them, flee, that means run, run from sexual immorality. He says, all other sins a man commits are outside of his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. There's something unique about sexual sin. It's not that we're prudes, it's not that, you know, God is embarrassed by this stuff, God is not embarrassed by this stuff. God has seen you naked, he can handle it. It's just that when you sin against, uh, sexually, you're sinning against yourself, you grieve the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to explain in verse 19, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own, you were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your body. Now a lot of people quote this scripture, you know, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, you know, and why you ought to take vitamins or why you ought to exercise and and there's a there's a a truth i guess in that but he's not talking about that he's talking about sex your body's the temple of the holy spirit don't defile the temple by sinning against god and sinning against yourself and connecting with someone in a way that uh, is is not right and uh so anyway then he continues now chapter 7 verse 1 remember these chapters didn't exist he just kept writing He says, now, for the matters you wrote about. He says, in his opinion, it's good for a man not to marry. His advice is, good grief, just stay single. That's that's his deal, all right? But, since there is so much immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. As you can see, Paul was not overly romantic about the whole (laughs) marriage deal. Now, check this out. He says... The reason why uh, God allows, um, the, way, the, reason, the way that God is to, try that again. The reason God uh, talks about sex or, or marriage in this way is so that you can win sexually. In other words, put it in this context. A lot of people say, 
you know, what is my answer for the sex drive? You know, you talk about not to have sex. You just said, uh, you know, sexual sin. You just said my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yet I feel these urges. I feel these desires. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Millions of Christians, single Christians. Well, what do I do, man? How do I do it? And, and what he's saying here is God's answer for your sex drive is have sex. I like this answer. It's one of my favorite answers in the Bible. This is his answer. With your wife. With your husband. You say, you mean to tell me you get married for sex? Duh, yeah. This is one of the fundamental deals. Now, a lot of women don't like that because it's supposed to be about the heart and everything else, you know. But Paul wasn't talking about any of that. He said, look, this is fundamentally what this is about. If you're struggling, and, and check this, he says, because there is so much immorality. Now, this is 2,000 years ago. Now, I don't know what he was talking about. I don't know how much immorality they had back then. I know this, that if you wanted to get immoral 2,000 years ago, you had to work at it. Quite frankly, up to about 35 years ago, you had to work at it. You know, if you wanted porn 35 years ago, you had to go find it. Well, back then, they didn't even have that. I mean, I don't know where they had to go to find all this immorality. But holy stinking cow, if they had so much immorality then, what in the world would he say today? You can't go on the internet without seeing, you know, stuff that you wish you'd have never saw. You just, you know, you're just Googling normal stuff and all of a sudden, ah, all this stuff pops up. You know, and all these emails, you know. <laughs> You know, you just wonder what you can say in here. But, I, I, you know, you know, emails for this and emails how to find this. And you need to take this pill so that you'll be, you know, that much bigger. All these guys, you know, you know, they think, we sh- you know, I was pretty feeling good about myself till I started seeing these emails. I, is my wife talking to people? What is this? Well, where, where am I getting all these? And I mean, there's just flooded of all this stuff and sex, 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 sex. If there was ever a day where people are being poisoned by immorality, it has to be today. I mean, goodness gracious, you can't hardly turn on your TV without seeing every, imagine, it's just unbelievable. And what he told them, is, says, look, because there is so much immorality, which will create heightened sense of sexual desires, and you will be burning with all this sexual desire, he says, for the love of heaven, just get a wife, get a husband, quit being, and, and this is particularly to men, because you have to understand, the Bible appeals to, is, is, is for both men and women, but these guys were writing primarily to a male audience. That was the culture of, of this time. He's writing to men, particularly for men. Goodness gracious, get a wife. Be a lover to a real woman. You know, I, I talk about challenging men to be real men today, and I, I believe this whole porn thing is having a devastating effect on the male culture. Where men are no longer being lovers to real women. To their wives, learning how to romance them and win their hearts and being lovers to them. They live in this fantasy world of pornography and masturbation. And it's just, oh, is there anything more pathetic than a man making love to himself? Honestly, I, I can't think of it. I'm not trying to be mean. But we ought to just stick a big on their foreheads. It's like, this is the epitome of loser. You've got to make love to yourself. You've got to fantasize. You've got to live in this world. And these guys are getting so addicted to this stuff that as, as a marriage and family counselor or, or, or working with, with marriage and family issues, 
it's amazing how many people are telling me today that they've gotten so addicted to the stuff they cannot perform sexually normally in any way, shape, or form. You know, they would prefer to masturbate than to make love to their own wives. Well, isn't that great? There's a real advancement for mankind. Because you know, these guys have gotten so addicted to this. This stuff is poison. It will not give you great sex. It will rob you of great sex. I talked about it in great detail two weeks ago. Get the tape. Order the CD, the DVD, or whatever, and, and we will get into it in much uh, greater detail. But when you talk on these things, and you start talking about some of these things that are obviously sins, I'm shocked that people are shocked that I think these things are sins. I'm amazed at how many preachers today who their main goal in life is to offend no one that's their number one goal let us go forward and offend no one well goodness gracious if you think like that how do you challenge anybody to rise to to their full potential it's sad I I know churches who uh, would love to have me come and do my seminars for them their number one question isn't gee will marriages be enhanced their number one question is could someone possibly get offended? That's really their question. And they ask, and I go, and I go to these churches, and I see these pastors, they're nervous as cats in a room full of rocking chairs. <laughs> Good grief, man, take some medication, what's the matter with you? And they pull me into their office, and I'm going, oh, pastor, you're not, you're not going to say, you're not going to say penis, are you? I was like, oh, what is the matter with you? I mean, the fact that you know you're going to talk about sex freaks the willies out of these people. They prefer everyone speaking code and stuff like that. So anyway, these guys, because they don't want to offend anybody and they're trying to love everybody and, and they, they, they want to walk in grace, but it just turns into grease. Where they just slop everything up and everything's okay, everything's okay. And Christian pastors and in Christian publications and stuff talking about it's, it's okay for our young people to masturbate. It's okay. It's okay. And I just, honestly, I just go, Jesus said, if a man looks at a woman and thinks lustful thoughts in his heart, he's committed what? Adultery in his heart. It's a sin. Jesus said that was a sin. But yet we have pastors today who teach guys that they can look at videos, fantasize, yank on their whatchamajiggets, and ejaculate, and somehow that's not a sin. That's not a sin. Some moron wrote a thing to our young people in this one magazine saying, well, you know, uh, you know about masturbation, just when you masturbate, just don't think about anyone you know. Just fantasize about the wife you'll have someday. Yeah, I wonder what she looks like. I'm I'm not kidding you. I'm talking the church is saying this. And then when you stand up and say, wait a minute, get a clue, be a man, get a real life for crying out loud. Quit giving it all to this nonsense. The number one thing is, what will they do? They'll explode. And mothers, mothers of teenagers, don't you dare come up to any of you mothers of teenagers and say, well, 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 don't my boys have to masturbate? Won't they explode? (laughs) Unbelievable. They, They look at you like you dropped in from Mars. Because we, you know... There's, there's, a, there's an old saying, if you tell a lie enough times and long enough, people believe it is truth. 
People truly believe today that you have to do this or you'll somehow die. Which is just ludicrous. No one has ever died from not ejaculating. Nobody ever. There's never been a morgue anywhere in the history of mankind. Where on the toe tag it said, cause of death, failure to ejaculate. Nobody has ever died. You do not die from lack of sex. Granted, you'll feel like you're going to die. I understand that. There's a difference between thinking you're going to die and really dying. He said, but I think I'm going to die. What can I do? What can I do? What should I do? Get a life. Find a wife. Sure, can't find one. Dude, there, go to most churches. I'm talking about in the church. I don't know the Christian guys who do it. Go to most Christian churches. And ask, I could ask right now, but I won't point people out. But if I were to say, how many Christian single girls do we have here? How many single men do we have here? Bleep, 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 bleep. It's that wherever. How Christian men cannot find Christian women is beyond me. <laughs> they ain't looking very good. I don't know what the deal is. But goodness gracious, you know, I so, said, well, I'm too young to get married. I'm only 48. <laughs> Good grief. You get much past 20, you need to get a life. Get serious. Grow up. Quit struggling with this stuff. Falling into sexual sins over and over and over. And it just will suck the life. Does God hate you? No. But do you want to succeed or do you want to fail? Do you want to succeed or do you want to fail? As a person of faith, I want to succeed. I want to be blessed. I want God to move in my life in a wonderful way. I, I, I want to experience all that God has for me. But if I follow things of the, the spirit, I will have life. But if I follow the ways of the flesh, it, I will experience death. Spiritual death. Hindrance. There's, there's, get free, man. You don't have to live like this. And you don't have to give into all this nonsense. You know, Now look down at... Uh, Back over in Galatians here. He says the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. He starts talking about them. But down in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness. And next one. Gentleness and self-control. Self-control. You know what the definition of self-control is? I even looked it up so you'd know. It means to control oneself. In case I got it wrong, I just thought I would explain it in greater detail. <laughs> to control yourself, and then it goes on and says, restraint exercised, over, restraint exercised over one's own impulses, emotions, and desires. That's what self-control is. Lack of self-control is you give in to these things. And what he's saying on the spiritual side, you get self-control you don't give in to these things. We're not animals. We're not cows. We're not pigs. We're not dogs. We're human beings. And we've been born of the Spirit of God. We, the Bible says that the Spirit empowers us to say no to the things that are wrong. It empowers us. Now, we don't want us. I get it. I get the temptation. He says, look, I understand. Because there's so much immorality, there's going to be a lot of temptation. Uh, uh, he says it's better to marry than to burn. And it doesn't mean in hell. It just means burn with with passion. You know. (laughs) Which while I'm at it. You know why not just kick some more cows over here. Go back to 1 Corinthians here.
Each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. 7 verse 2. And then look at verse 3. 1 Corinthians 7, 3. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife. Anybody know what that means? Do you know what it means? It means he should have sex with his wife. And likewise, the wife to her husband. (coughs) Well, I don't feel like it. I'm telling you, one of the reasons in Christian marriages why these guys struggle so much from sexual temptations is they can never win with their own wives. Because their wives are constantly pushing them away. You have no right to do that. Not scripturally. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and the wife to her husband. It's the one Bible verse that all Catholics, Protestants, Baptists, Pentecostals, Presbyterians, we all agree on this verse. We have no problem. Everybody's, yep, that's what it means. The wife's body does not belong to her alone. It does belong to her, but not to her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way, husband's body does not belong to him alone, but to his wife. Do not deprive each other. (laughs) I'm glad I didn't see who that was. But... uh, (laughs) <laughs> but amen, he's right. You're not supposed to deprive each other. You say, Pastor, is that a problem? Oh, you have no idea the stuff I hear. Goodness gracious, this one lady, she comes, drags her husband in to see me and starts talking about how evil he is and how nasty he is and he never does this for me. And she finally, after a half hour, took a breath. And I quick jumped in. Well, let me ask you a question. She said, yeah. I said, how's your sex life? She goes, what? How's your sex life? She goes, what do you mean? I said, I don't know. You know, how often? And she goes, well, I I don't know. She looks at her husband. What what, what do you think? About about six years? (laughs) Six years? I don't see how the guy could walk. I'd I'd be blind. Six years, and she's railing on the guy because he's not nice to her. Well, I wonder why. (laughs) He's living with his sister for crying out loud. (laughs) These are Christian people. And I know there's times there's physical things that happen where I'm not talking about, I'm talking about everything's fine and they intentionally deny each other. Which is really the end result. And it's not just women. It's guys who do the same thing. You have no idea. I I go to these seminars. Sometimes these drop dead gorgeous women. Will come up to me. And say. My husband doesn't want to have sex with me. And I look and say. What is the matter with him? (laughs) I mean. How can you be so stupid and still breathe? And then I look at the guy like. What? And they go, and I say, so, so you don't want to? No. <sighs> Christians. Of course, you keep asking questions. Inevitably, he's into porn and masturbating. 
He'd rather make love to himself. It's robbing the soul of men, all this porn. You want to be a real man? Get rid of that stuff. That will suck the manhood right out of you. Do not deprive each other except by mutual consent. You both have to agree. Usually just one is agreeing. <laughs> that is not both of you. Uh, and and you, you can agree not to have a sex life by mutual consent and just for a time. Why? So that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Oh, oh that's why Christians aren't having sex. We're all praying. <laughs> I, what, what was I thinking? Yes, I'm so sorry. Six years of prayers. That's a lot of prayers. <sighs> Stuff makes me lose hair. You wonder why I'm going bald. This is why. This is why. My eyeballs are going to pop out pretty soon. Then he says, come together again so that Satan will not tempt you. Tempt you. Why would you feel tempted? Why would you feel tempted? Because you're not getting sex at home. Women, Christian women, who refuse to be lovers to their husbands and then rebuke their husbands for falling into sexual sin, live a very double standard life. You have to understand, you own part of this. If that's the reason he's falling into sexual sin in inappropriate places, you share in this. Verse 8, jump down there. Now to the unmarried and to widows, I say, it's good for them to stay unmarried as I am. Paul was not a big fan of marriage. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. (laughs) He's so warm and fuzzy, isn't he? Very romantic about all of this. You know, we don't talk about these things. We talk about your soulmate. Pray for your soulmate. This over-romanticized nonsense. Anyway, back to uh, Galatians here. The reason for saying no to this stuff, it is destructive and you can say no. You can. You can. You won't die. You'll be fine. But he says here that the sex drive is the motivator, particularly for men. Remember, he's, he's talking to men. Some women feel the same way. It's a smaller percentage, much smaller percentage. But by and large, a male audience... The sex drive is a man's fundamental motivation to marry. Now, a woman is different. She's chasing the heart of the guys. It's interesting. In, in the, uh, the fall, God, you know, punishes the serpent and punishes the man, punishes the woman. And the way he punishes her, three things. One, you're going to have painful childbirth. Uh, two, your desire is going to be for your husband. Kind of an odd punishment, isn't it? <laughs> Your, your punishment is you're going to want this guy. <laughs> and, and, and thirdly, that you'll, uh, he'll be the spiritual ruler over you. You know, this, this is the deal. Um, women, their main desire for men is they, they desire, they have this desire, this connection for their husband on many, many levels. And while that's true also for men, but fundamentally it is the, the sexual drive that motivates men. Uh, people say, you know, how old were you when you got married, Pastor Mark? I was 18. And they said, why? Because I was very motivated. (laughs) 
Well, why would you get married at 18? Because it was against the law at 17. You know. <laughs> same woman, same girl for 35 years. Hallelujah. Praise God. 34, I guess. Coming up on 35. Um, God has an answer for you. If you're struggling, burning with sexual passion, the answer isn't looking at porn. The answer is make a decision, grow up, get mature, get a life, build a life with, with another person, and live your life together. And be careful about these things and pay attention to sexual needs that you have in each other's life. And da 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 da. But uh, oh my goodness, the stuff. Again, if you missed this other thing, you really ought to get the CD because we talk about uh, why so many guys are addicted, even in marriage, trying to reproduce what they did before they were married. It's very destructive stuff. Uh, but. Uh, it's time that we do this stuff right. Okay. I will now move on. Here we go. Acts of the sinful nature, obvious, sexual immorality, impure, impurity, debauchery, and then idolatry. Alright? I was on a roll with all these definitions. I thought I'd come out. Idolatry is the worship of a physical object as a god. Uh, the giving of absolute religious devotion to something that is not God. Or immoderate attachment or devotion to something. Uh, I think one of the problems that we have in Christianity today after the sexual thing is this problem of idolatry. Now, it's different for us today. We don't sit down and, and bow down and worship, you know, images and you know, whatever to something. But we, we idolatry, uh, we've made an idol out of things. We are such a consumerist nation and we get caught up, caught up in this stuff and we want more and more and more stuff. And what really becomes an idol is people just want to be happy. Their, their own sinful desires, their own flesh. We've created a generation. We're about three generations now into just creating selfish, more selfish and unbelievably selfish today. And it, and it is a mess. And, and we have got this thing where people... The idea that they can't do what they want to do or be happy in the moment is such a shock to them. It, it's, it's that way true sexually, but in all kinds of ways. Why would I do the right thing? I, I, I don't want to do the right thing. It, it doesn't make me happy. You know, I mean, I, just this issue of marriage that we're talking about. I mean, I'll, I'll look at couples who, who are struggling and, and uh, just because they're driving each other crazy like most people. And, and they say, well, I, I don't, I don't want to be married to him anymore. And, and I said, well, the Bible says that you shouldn't divorce them. This is, this is a lifelong commitment. And they, they look at me like, but, but God doesn't want me to be unhappy. That's what they say. And I think, who, who told you this? Who told you God does not want you to be unhappy? I got to tell you, God's, your, your happiness is not God's number one concern. It's just not. When, when the apostle Peter was being crucified upside down, that was a bad day for him. When the apostle Paul was being arrested and the snot was being beaten out of him and blood streaming and stuff, I don't think he was happy. I mean, these guys suffered terribly. We were talking about the apostle Paul early today. Man, you, you would not want to travel with this guy. You know, this guy was a disaster waiting to happen. I mean, everywhere he'd go, people would beat him up. They'd throw him in jail. He'd hop on a, a, a boat with him. The boat would sink. 
serious. I mean, this guy, he's on the boat, it sinks, and he, everybody's got to swim for shore, and he comes to shore, and he gets some sticks together, and the first thing that happens is a poisonous snake reaches out and bites him. This is a very bad day for him. I mean, goodness gracious, you know, a lot of us, are you kidding? Just because we get slightly irritated, we lose our faith. God doesn't love me. Why? Because I went to the store and that thing I wanted wasn't on sale anymore. (laughs) We are so narcissistic. Remember narcissist, Greek mythology, he fell in love with himself. He saw a reflection in the pool and what a beautiful man. That's us today. It's all about us. All about happiness. To the point that it's it's unreal. Uh, I was uh, doing this interview on a TV station and I was talking to the lady after the interview because, you know, I talk about marriage and stuff and she says, yeah, well, my husband and I were were getting a divorce. And I said, oh, that's so sad. She says, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. I said, well, why are you getting divorced? She says, oh, because our, our pets don't get along. Our pets, they're making lifelong decisions based on the emotions of their parakeet and their cat. Unbelievable. And she said it to me like it was perfectly normal. Like I should think, oh, 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 your pets. Oh, that's different. I mean, I was polite. I wasn't thinking polite thoughts. I must admit. I was thinking, you are a moron wrapped up in an idiot. That's what I was thinking. But I didn't say it. I just said, oh, oh, your pets. Oh, it's very interesting. Oh, my goodness. People don't want to do the right thing because... We'll, we'll, let me back up. We'll only do the right thing as long as we can be happy. That's really what it boils down to. We've made an idol out of our own personal comfort and happiness. An idol is something you lift up above God. And people will follow Jesus to a point until they're not happy anymore. Then they go, whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute. Jesus was cool, but I'm not happy now. So then they choose to do what they want to do, even though they know it's wrong, thinking it's perfectly logical because they worship their happiness. It's this idolatry, this raising it up above, their, above the concerns of God become their concerns. People do this every day. I'm talking Christian people. People who claim at least the name of Christ. I often wonder you know, how Christian they truly are. But they will choose to do whatever they want when happiness gets in the way. And you can show them in black and white. Pick the issue. It doesn't matter. Whatever we're talking about. You can show them in black and white what God says about a host of issues. Christian teachings from the New Testament. And they literally will look at you and and they, they literally say to me, But I'm not happy. But doesn't God want me to be happy? I mean, this, this is their point of reference. And I mean, we, we have so created this gospel. It's not a gospel, it's this fantasy that life is all about you. When you drive at night, the moon really is following you. It's all about you. It's just, oh, la, 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 la. And I want to be happy and I, I, I want to be with this person and I want to fornicate and I, I know I shouldn't be with this guy who's not a Christian. But, uh, but I love him. And doesn't God want me to be happy? And you can show them. And the Bible says you shouldn't be connected with someone who's not a believer. If you're dating, you have no business as a person of faith. Dating someone who's not a person of faith. And they freak. 
and they just freak and they look but but I want to be happy it's amazing and then Christians who you know they can't stand their kids can't stand their husbands can't stand you know whatever and they violate all these it's like it's like these scriptural principles don't apply to them they can treat each other horribly treat their children horribly ignore their wives ignore their husbands I mean just the list goes on and on and on and on you say why do you talk so much about family stuff because fundamentally I believe if you can't live this at home you can't live this really if you can't live this you are full of not good stuff you are you're you're full of baloney man It's, it's just don't don't say, well, I love Jesus, but I hate my husband. Don't say, I love Jesus, but I, I don't want to spend time with my children. They're too much of a pain. I love Jesus, but I don't want to do the right things. You're, 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 you're living in a fantasy world. People come to me and they, they want stuff and they talk about how spiritual they are. And, and I don't really listen to a word they're saying. You know what I'm doing? I watch them. How does he treat his wife? That's what I look at. How do his children respond to him? Do his children respect them? That's what I look at. The people who in my book who are spiritual are the guys who can really live this. What you say means jack squat to me. Quite frankly, I think it means jack squat to God. God is not so concerned about what you say. He's concerned about what you do. Are you really living this stuff? And we have got to get a clue. Your happiness, your viewpoint, whatever you want, if you want to hang, if you know God wants you to do one thing, but you ignore that because of what you want, you have made it an idol. And you're guilty of idolatry. Idolatry and then witchcraft. Witchcraft. An act or instance of employing sorcery, a magical rite or technique. Um, you know, the, the appeal in witchcraft is really about power. It's about power and trying to control the universe for your own advancement. And, uh, and I think we all get it. And I don't think of all the temptations we deal out there, that's not a big one to me. I've never been tempted to want to be a witch. Just never have. It's not been a big deal for me. You know, I know some people, they get all freaked out because of, you know, a Harry Potter movie. It's witchcraft! It's witchcraft! He's on a, he's on a broomstick! Ah, 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 ah! Okay, I get it. But then these very same people will let their kids, teenagers, watch stuff that is sexually explicit. I think, what are you, nuts? The, the chance of your teenager... To ever want to hop on a broom and fly around the house (laughs) is pretty low. The chances that your neighbor's boy will want to come over and play with your daughter's boobies, pretty big. (laughs) Get a clue. But we jump on stuff. You know, Christians are very quick to jump on stuff that is so irrelevant. It just blows my mind. And I think what we do is we do this because uh, then we feel like we're, we're being busy in people of faith and ignore our own sins. You know, let's, let's get out there and pick it. 
Harry Potter. Praise God, I'm doing something for Jesus. Still masturbating. Still looking at porn. Still ignoring my children. Don't keep my commitments. Lie at job. Steal whenever I can. But stop Harry Potter. Good grief. things in the world. I will say this and and I got to be really careful here. While witchcraft is not a big temptation I think to people in general. I'm sure I'm sure in some cultures in the world it is a big temptation. I don't think it is to any of us. But there's a concern I have uh, among people of faith who sometimes approach the Bible. I don't freak out when I say this. Hear me through. But they almost approach, approach the Bible as a book of spells. Does that make any sense to you? I mean, they, 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 they take the Bible and they quote things and, and, and you hear some of these preachers on TV. Well, if you just do this, God will do that. You just do that and just quote this verse and dance around and say this and da 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 and, and while the principles are fundamentally sound, I get a little concerned that people are just trying to manipulate their circumstances and not really out of righteousness, not really out of holiness, not really out of a passion for God. They just want to control things. So they get convinced, well, if I quote this verse and I do this and I sprinkle that and I do, you know, that things will happen. And I just, I just think it's something that people need to be careful about. If this makes no sense to you, don't worry about it. But some of you, I think you know what I'm talking about. The Bible is not a, a book of spells. Are you hearing me? It is a way to live. There are promises you can stand on. There are scriptures. All these principles. Absolutely. Yes, 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 yes. I live my life by this stuff. But I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to just cast some kind of spiritual potion, if you will. You know, my relationship, my ability, my faith in this is born out of my relationship with Jesus Christ. With God. I am not trying to empower myself by thinking I can just quote some things and make some stuff happen in and of of themselves. It's just, again, of all the things to talk about, worry about, this is a very small thing, but we're going through this list. And I just wanted to throw that out. When you see it, you'll know it. Let me just put it that way. Everyone see you run into somebody and their whole approach to the Bible is formulaic. You know what I'm saying? One guy's agreeing with me. Anybody else know what I'm talking about at all? Some, yeah. They're very formulaic and they approach stuff that way and it's, it's a little creepy. And uh, I, I think they're getting a little close to this, the idea of that witchcraft is really founded in using the Bible to uh, get their own uh, deals happening. Um, hatred. That means to hate. Uh, I think we all agree on that. Discord. We'll pick up on the Discord thing next week. Discord is about causing fights and divisions among the people. And, uh, oh man, if there's one thing Christians are really good at, besides committing adultery in their hearts, is uh, it's, it's this idea of division. I don't like the way the pastor said that. I don't think he said masturbate five times tonight. I don't think, I think we need, a, we need to get a committee together to just get on his case. And then we've got this scoop and that scoop and a whisper. And it is the devil's number one way to destroy churches. 
And we will talk about it in detail next week as we continue our study on the book of Galatians. Y'all still love me? All right.